This is the Evolution Exchange podcast, a channel that connects some of the most successful technical leaders in the Nordics region. I'm Andy. I help connect businesses with the best UX and UI freelance talent. And today I'm your host. Okay, and welcome to another installment of the Evolution Exchange podcast. Today, I'm joined today by Arvid, who's a digital service designer at Future East, Jan, who's a lead UX and UI designer at Keyflow, Zaira, who's a lead user experience designer at Aztaz Software, and Magnus, who's a senior design executive at Delarval. We're discussing the topic today of how to get the best out of UX and UI designers working remotely. So before we jump into the topic, let's work our way around the room with some introductions. So Arvid, please, can you introduce yourself for us? Yes, I can. Hi, uh, my name is Arvid and I work as a digital service designer at Futurize. And uh, Futurize is a innovation consultancy um, um, in Europe and I'm based in Stockholm. And uh, yeah, I have a background in engineering and uh, design, but also industrial management. And uh, my role is to uh, uh, sort of bring a design perspective into our clients and uh, uh, help them with uh, users and product design and uh, sort of materialize their ideas and turn often turn strategy into concrete uh, materialized concepts that can then be developed. Um, so right now I'm working with a company in the auto services industry, helping them with across the board, everything with customer experience and, uh, and sort of customer understanding. And I also work at the same time with a uh, industrial product company. And uh, with them, we're building sort of their first connected product and sort of productized service. Uh, yeah, that's me. Brilliant, thank you very much, that's great. Um, Magnus, let's head over to you, please. Could you introduce yourself for us? Sure, uh, Magnus Dahlium, Head of UX at Delaval. Um, Delaval is uh, one of the largest uh, companies producing equipment for dairy farming, so milking robots, uh, cow brushes and stuff like that. Um, I'm part of the digital services team here at Delavas, which is quite new team. The company itself has been around for 140 years and was started by the original founder, Gustav Delaval, a hardcore entrepreneur who, I don't quote me this one, but you can probably Google it, but he probably, I think he had started like 36 companies at once or something like that. So he was one of the, uh, the really the strong entrepreneurs back in the day. But currently we're one of the leading uh, manufacturer dairy equipment. Um, Part of the digital services part of this, which is basically in essence, we're trying to transform the whole company to move away from the, the robotics and the mechanical products and services and added value with the extension of different kind of service solutions or digital solutions. Super excited to be here today um, and super exciting to uh, to talk about uh, this topic with with some other really great minds in this uh, this forum. Thank you very much, Magnus. Um, Zara, let's go to you next then. Please, can you introduce yourself for us? Yes, uh, my name is Zara Khan. I am a lead uh, UX designer at Assets Software, which is, uh, Assets is a company with uh, multiple um, uh, companies in the group, asset group. So we exist in Sweden, Denmark, Norway, Finland, uh, and in the UK. And assets is kind of unknown in the uh, in the field of UX because, well, I'm the first lead here, but uh, also because it's a very untypical, um, well, a service because uh, assets provide um, tax, payroll, and accounting, HR, and that kind of um, software application. So we have a huge client base, and most companies use our services. Uh, well pretty large companies use our services. So we've been working with uh, digitizing and making that process better. Also looking forward to being here and discussing the topic of uh, remote work with you. Thank you. Brilliant, thank you. And uh, lastly, Jan, please introduce yourself for us. Yeah, hi, uh, very excited to be here as well. Uh, my name is Jan. I currently work as a lead user experience designer at Keyflow. Keyflow is, uh, is an app for facilitating nightlife, both from company perspective and from user perspective. So we uh, sell a guest list management system for venues, but they can also sell guest entries through our app. So that's tickets, membership cards, tables. Uh, and of course, because of that, users can purchase 
purchase those uh, admissions um, and find different clubs where they want to go out. Uh, we are currently the, the biggest nightlife app in the Nordics, but we are also starting now in uh, Emirates. So yeah, things are growing now after the COVID slightly released. Um, I also have some background in uh, marketing before when I was working as a marketing manager for a software company creating analytics. Brilliant, thank you very much and thank you all of you. That's a really good introductions and we've got a great panel today. So um, now we've established a little bit of context for each of you, let's move on into the topic at hand. <clears throat> so we're working, uh, we're talking about how to get the best out of UX and UI designers working remotely. Um, so as usual, I'll go around the room and ask um, you to present your questions to us. Um, so we'll start off with Jan. Uh, so Jan, please, can you give us your question? Yes, sure. Um, so my question is, how do you keep your team close while working remotely? Uh, I think that personal connection is very important, both for uh, keeping people happy at work, but that also leads to more performance out of the team members. So I think that's something that uh, you know should be really important for people, but at the same time, it suffered a little bit during the remote work. Okay, so let's go to Magnus first on that one then. Sorry, I had to unmute myself. Um, I think that's a brilliant question. I think to point you on is something that we're all struggling with. I mean, again, you want to, you know, promote collaboration and closeness and culture and that kind of interaction with other individuals, right? That's the, the core DNA of being a designer to much extent, I think, the, the, the sharing of idea and, and inspiration. But at the same time, everything in society scream distancing, right? So we would trying to connect but same time keep a distance so i think the challenge lies in that chat the i think that what we try to do with my team and the interesting point with the team i've started i've been here a year now i've never met my team i've literally never met my team i haven't been in the office because i joined just when the pandemic hit us so i struggled quite hard with this uh we have daily meetings we have so much teams interaction we have all the tools in, in trade but there's still something missing that you lack that kind of. You, you can't read the individual, right? You can't really understand what they actually mean, or what they say when they when you interact with them, right? So you feel a little bit like you're interacting and collaborating, but you still have one hand tied behind your back. That's how I feel about it. How do you solve it? I don't know. I, I think we just need to go back to normality. I think that's the key solution to this. Well, Ziera, let's uh, get your opinion on that, because I know the question that you have later on is going to relate a little bit to what Magnus just said there. So just your thoughts on Jan's question and Magnus's comments there. That was for you, Ziera. Yes, <laughs> I had to unmute myself. No, it's you okay. muted me. <laughs> anyway, well, uh, yeah, I mean, definitely I've been in a similar situation like Jan. I started the new job at Assets here actually in May. I started with another company beginning of this year. And again, there has been uh, different experiences when you start working in a new company. It's a new setting for me. It was a whole new line of business. I've never worked with financial services that in that sense i'm like hang on what is this who are these people what do i know about taxes and payroll and accounting i don't and uh, so i do understand the challenges of working in starting to get to know people online and how to manage that or try to establish a communication but what is funny though because i was discussing that with one of my team members and in this process i also hired new team members right both uh, remotely but also i've met people in person uh, is that the fact is that somehow uh, when you've worked long enough in a line of competency the assumption is that we do develop our own lingo, right? We have a way of communicating or a way of um, discussing things that people get. So that we have experienced that, okay, even though we're complete strangers, we still kind of know what we're talking about when it comes to, at least in my perspective of, 
usability, uh, user research, uh, you know, looking at interaction design, we're talking about design library. I mean, going into even details, but also like from a strategic point of view, I haven't felt that there's been that many um, barriers there, but what I have felt and what I have noticed is because I also collaborate with people across countries and uh, 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 a variety of level of fluency in the English language because we do communicate with each other in English as well as Swedish and the Nordic languages is the fact that if people are not comfortable speaking English or comfortable communicating in English you can see the thought process being a bit ineffective and I'm curious to hear how the others have dealt with that because you can see that they might have expressed themselves better in their native language but in English it's just not quite coming through. So I guess that is something that I've definitely thought about is how do we how do we build over that language barrier or that communication barrier? Yeah, and it's an interesting point. And um, Avid, before I come to you um, on your question, I'm just going to come back to Magnus on that, because obviously you just said about your team being spread out um, and you've not met them. How do you cope just a branch off there with the different language barrier? Um. <clears throat> Now, I, in my past, I've been working in a lot of international companies and, and I've had global design organizations, so I'm quite used to the, the challenge of the languages. But again, to Sarah's point, it is it is a threshold. It is a, a challenge that we need to understand. And no matter what tools you have, and no matter, no matter how many means you have, if you can't communicate, I mean, it's still not going to work, right? Um, what I've realized is that, you know, it's just you have to s slow things down a little bit and pace yourself. But at the very end of the day, I mean, the, the actual uh, craft of design is still the same, even though you might speak Chinese or Russian or Swedish, right? But you need to align on those kind of the craft itself and then figure out, oh, okay, that's when you say, and then we have all these kind of fluffy descriptions, right? Well, can we do it a little bit spacious or can we do it a little bit like this? It means so different things to different people, but just let them show what they mean by it and let them show examples of the design and then you can kind of work around the language barriers and have something to look at and, and discuss but you at least have the same visual perspective and visual aspect of it I think that could potentially help it but it's a challenge it is a challenge it is and uh, Avi what, what's your take on that um, I, I'm a strong believer in, in like that it, like while it's difficult to change culture uh, it's kind of easier to change like rituals, for instance, or concrete actions. Uh, so I think both with like keep, keeping that team close, but also with like language barriers, for instance, what you want is a culture that is kind of uh, relational and accepting. Uh, so so trying to sort of get that rather through like concrete actions rather than like just uh, stating that it's a hard problem. So like one thing we did, for instance, I work at this consultancy which is a network company so you I work with several different teams sometimes as a team member sometimes as a sort of team leader and project manager um, so at, at our, our company we introduced this slack bot so a bot called uh, donuts uh, that just um, it connects people on random for 15 minutes every week uh, and I mean it's not as perfect of course as a real good conversation by the coffee machine but it's it's you know it's, it's something at least oh. I, I, I really like that <laughs> i think i'm going to go to my boss and ask him if we can do something like that uh, especially if there's donuts involved um jan let's come back to you um if what have you got from uh, what the other guests have said there especially in terms of if there is a language barrier and keeping your team close how, how have you experienced that and how would the advice given help you yeah, I, uh, thanks everyone for for sharing your answers. Uh, you know, it's great to to learn from everyone and see see how you do it in different companies. Uh, I wanted to touch on a couple of, of points. One thing that uh, Magnus mentioned is you know the, the visualization of everything, and I totally totally have uh, the same thinking about process about that. That you know we as designers or kind of have at least the same language of actually designing. Uh, and uh, when you when you use those tools like whiteboards you, online, you, you know the language kind of fades away a little bit because you can just say to someone, oh, you know, can you can you show me what you mean? And even with a very rudimentary sketch, you can get a better idea of what they mean. 
um, and help with this language. So I fully agree with what Magnus said, and definitely that's a great point. And uh, what uh, what Arvid said also, you know, about the donut boat. Uh, we didn't have a nice fancy boat like that, and the name is amazing. Uh, but one thing that uh, that we did try is to actually schedule all the meetings to have like five minutes more. And the first five minutes, we would just do full on chit chat of just like maybe something work related but not necessarily just to kind of keep the same thing that you would have going in the office where, you know, sometimes you just talk about something and it's great to focus. So after those, you know, a couple of minutes, we would go straight back to the focus of the meeting. But a little bit of this conversation we found always was, you know, at least giving us time to, you know, have some sentences about something else and keep the team closer, closer together. But yeah, thanks. Thanks everyone for, for great, uh, great knowledge. No, that's brilliant. And um, just on that, actually, because where we work at evolution we work at home on a on a friday so that's working remotely in a sense and we always make time like a little fika where we all jump on teams and we just sort of switch off completely from work and just talk about something else then we go back to it so that's very similar to what you were saying there Jan. and i love that part of it because it's brilliant it's like you're not in the working environment um but then you bring it all together and you connect with your colleagues again and then you're back to work afterwards it allows you to sort of just refocus and come back to it. Um, Zara, do you want to just come in on anything that was mentioned there, especially as you brought up the point about the, the language barrier and then we'll move on to the next question. Um, yeah, I mean, I do agree that if there is a visual component involved, it's easier to to discuss and uh, and uh, take the conversation onwards. But I do think that when we have, when we're talking about stuff that's a bit tricky and that's not, cannot be visualized uh, when we're talking more about strategic questions or questions that are more fundamentally on methodology or, you know, the approach of stuff or like even, for example, my background is much more in the user research aspects, right? And in that you need the competency of how to ask a question or how to uh, pose a question or, or, you know, try to understand something. And that requires skill sets that doesn't that cannot necessarily be visualized so that that's a different aspect of dealing with <laughs> yeah no that's great yeah that's great i think that's provided us some really good context to Jan's question there um, and hopefully you've got something from that so we'll move it on um slightly into a different direction so magnus i'll come to you if you don't mind with your uh, question so please tell us what it is and what it's about well, I mean, it, it kind of latches on to what John talked about as well in, in the kind of connection with, with the team members. But we always talk about this work-life balance, right? I mean, you should have, you know, equal balance between, you know, the work life and private life. One should not overtake the other and so on and so forth. Now, what you see more and more, and, and even during the pandemic, it became very evident that the work-life balance just goes out the window because all of a sudden you work from home, which means that there's a work-life integration thing going on. How do you balance that? And how do you maintain a balance between the work life and also maintain the individual's well-being and obviously your, your own well-being in that context? Because again, a person who doesn't feel well or doesn't feel that he or she is, you know, delivering or, you know, overworked, it's not going to contribute to the work and the work will suffer. And also at the very end, obviously, the individual will suffer from it as well. So how do you maintain that work-life integration and how do you track or monitor individuals' well-being whilst in a remote setting? And I'll come to Arvid on that one. Uh, yes, uh, I really like that term like work-life integration. I have not heard it before, before, but it really feels like the the natural step sort of post-Taylorism to like go into that where you uh, you sort of have a different relationship to work and to your colleagues. Um, I, I think that like what's important when you have these very fluid boundaries and that happened at least where I work before COVID also with, you know, having apps on your phone that you communicate with, for instance, and they never turn off. And if you're working cross time zones, that's even worse. Um, so I, I think uh, trying to like make everyone empower them by, to, to take control over their own schedules. And I guess that the best way to do that is to sort of set an example by yourself. Uh, and and really n not answering questions a certain time of day if that's not for you or that type of simple stuff, uh, I guess, because 
everyone will have a different schedule when it's uh, in, in this world. I mean, some people wake up early and others are off in the middle of the day. And I think that is a good thing. But uh, maybe you should like delete the Slack application on when you're uh, on vacation, for instance, just to, to sort of get away from it and, and showing others that that is OK. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Jan, what's your take on it? Yeah, I think that's a, that's a big question. I mean, it's a very important one, but uh, you know, mm. it uh, it's, uh, touches also, you know, not only on the fact of remote work, but overall work-life balance. It's a huge thing to to get right. Um, I think that uh, to me, in those conversations, often what gets lost is the individual, because it's often companies trying to find an overall way of dealing with with it, and not necessarily taking into consideration that everyone is different. For, for some people, they might have a lot of responsibilities outside of work, maybe family, uh, and other people maybe don't have those responsibilities and their work is really their also hobby in their free time that they like to do. So now I think going into only one or the other direction, you know, like you can only work X amount of hours and after that we cannot send anything can actually hurt some people and going to the other direction when you are expected to work 12 hours or 13 hours, of course, can also hurt other people. So for, for me, what we, what we found is important within the team was to really make sure that we have the um, culture of people being able to say what they would like to do and what works for them. And it's not like the, just a question of manager being like, oh, hi, are you okay working extra hours? And then the person feels like, oh shit, I have to say yes. Uh, otherwise I'm getting a problem. So, you know, to really make sure that we know that we want which was best for you is also best for the company and make sure that people can actually voice uh, their opinion about work hours and uh, talking about certain things after hours, etc. And then trying to make sure that everyone can actually work like that. And I think that if you often you will find that um, there are way to make sure that everyone kind of get serving together in place. Like, for example, in the previous company I worked for, we had uh, we had people working from US as well, and I was then based in Netherlands. So, of course, there's a time difference. Uh, but for me personally, I like to start a bit later and work a bit longer um, because I like to wake up later in the day. Uh, so it was OK for me when we talked about it to be like, yeah, I can actually work for longer or uh, until later hours to have conversations with the US team. Um, so I think that if you if you really make sure that you talk with everyone in the team, you can kind of get a feel for that. And then it's just about moving the structures in the team in a way that tries to facilitate it for the most people. We'll never work perfectly, of course, but at least, you know, kind of move there. Um, and then, you know, it's just like Slack, you know, like you like you mentioned, Ari, it, it's uh, sometimes it's best to just uninstall it if, you, if you're supposed to be on holidays or something. But at the same time, some people might be actually totally okay answering so it's it's then just about making sure that the schedule of everyone is visible and if you have a certain time where you don't want to be available all the notifications are shut off and people actually check first your schedule before reaching out to you uh, and that's why we also made sure that everyone actually puts everything in calendar including like just like personal time where then maybe everything would be muted and people don't actually write to you or at least not supposed to but it's a very hard thing to, to, to do. So it's a very important question. And uh, I think it's very hard to find the actual perfect balance of it. Well, uh, let's finally hear from Zaire on that um, and just get your final thoughts on it. Um, I um, think it's a great idea with a calendar. I've always worked with my calendar and encourage everyone I work together with to have an updated calendar to sh to share when they're available and when they're not. And then when we use, uh, we have Slack channels as well. So we write where we are and if we're off or if we're in a different location. So everyone is aware of that. And um, I do believe also that it is a, uh, individual's responsibility to understand and create that work-life balance themselves. And as a manager or someone managing a team or individual designers or whoever we're managing, I think that's that conversation should happen if a person is not good with creating that balance themselves. Uh, either they're showing tendencies of spending too much time in front of the computer or maybe not delivering what they should be delivering. So I do believe that there is uh, 
uh, various aspects of that that can be managed. Um, the, the one point that was mentioned before was about the time availability. I mean, that's an easy thing to be communicated either via the apps or via calendar and some team agrees on when we have meetings. Uh, and I think that's a mutual agreement we do, regardless if it's online or offline or we're meeting in person. So I think that's just like, an, you know, from my perspective, a natural way of setting up what suits uh, people you're working together with and you learn to understand their availability and how how you're not bugging them with stuff, but rather, you know, if I want to work and I don't want to be um, bugged or, um, how do you say, disturbed, uh, then I will just, you know, I will turn off my computer. I will turn off all the applications that are, you know, that would be distracting. So again, that's a level of uh, self-responsibility, I would say. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, absolutely. And well, Magnus, I'll come back to you just to hear, you know, your final thoughts on what the guests have said about your question there. But I think it's completely right in terms of like when you Avid, when you're saying about technology and Slack, it's just instant, isn't it? You can just send a message straight away. And if it's remote working, you know, it's often the best time to get hold of uh, best time, like easiest way to connect with someone. It's just instant straight onto the phone. They'll see it and if they're remote rather than trying to like talk to them in the office or anything. But then to bring in Magnus's point of view about the work life balance, is that best for them? Because you don't know what they might be doing because you're not constantly connecting with them every day and knowing what their schedule is. So, yeah, Magnus, let's just hear from you on a final point. No, I think it's, it's all great points and different dimension, different aspects of the question. I think it's a usually important one. Um, I am a firm believer in individuals responsibility and their ability to you know, manage themselves. Um, I also agree with you, Jan, because I mean, I've got, you know, my children are grown up, right? I, I, I don't have anyone to take care of. I don't have to feed them. They feed themselves, right? But for my team member who are young children, for instance, who are just starting family, the situation is totally different, which means that they need to be able to work at other times where I might not be working. So I think, you know, you know, keeping track of, you know, these are the times we work or these are things we need to get done when you do it. It's entirely up to you. You need to manage yourself and then keep a close eye on individuals so they don't overdo things. I mean, we always have these overachievers in our team that we need to kind of pull back a little bit. And some others might need some support in getting going and understanding what they need to do. What I've done for my team now, due to the fact that we haven't met at all, is actually put in, we have these annual review things, which we all are aware of. Um, I actually put in a well-being uh, goal and uh, continued development goal saying that I want you guys to actually actively put in things into your goal planning that actually promotes well-being. It could be you take a class in cooking. It might be you exercise more. It might be you spend time with your children. And I also want you to educate yourself. It doesn't have to relate to the area we're working in. It could be you're reading a good book on something else. Do it. Read it. Let us know about it. I think it's more about creating a balance or kind of enforcing a balanced individual's life, allowing them to actually take care of themselves. I think that's one kind of dimension of it. But again, everyone's so individual. So what I think is a good way of creating work-life balance, it's, you know, doesn't make sense to anyone else, for instance. So, but I think creating a framework around it, probably at least you can address the topic in a slightly more structured way. Brilliant. Thank you very much for that. Um, Arvid, let's come to you for your question then, and we'll change the topic slightly. Yes, I, I guess in some ways all, all these questions are related or related in some way. And I mean, we talked about it already, which is my question is, what are the ways to create a strong design culture while being remote? And I guess we've talked about company culture now a bit, but I want to focus in on like the design aspect of, of culture. Uh, I remember when I first started out and like worked my first job with more senior designers it was an amazing experience to find these other people that were interested in the same topic and where that was valued actually so that is my question to you how can you sort of bring in not just company culture in in general and your values in your organization but things like you know caring about quality of visuals or critiquing work or having that time to like explore and you know look at ideas um 
yeah, that is, uh, I would be, because I, I, like, we're also challenged with that where I work because we're onboarding new people. And uh, yes, as we have already mentioned, they are all remote and you wonder like how, how, what is their experience like being like very young designers in, in this context? Okay, well, let's hear from Zaire on that. Um, um, I'm, am I muted? Yes. Um, I'm sorry, I lost the track of the... No, it's all right. Um, so we're talking, how Avi wants to know, how can we create a, like a strong design culture whilst working remotely? Yeah, um, good question. Um, I'll tell you what, I'll come back to you. I'll go to, let's go to yeah. Jan while you've got a second to think about it. We'll go to Jan and then we'll come back to you. All right. Um, yeah, I think that's a, a, that's the question that honestly we, we struggle the most with as well uh, when, in the current company that I work for, but also the previous ones. Uh, it's it's very hard to, to build a good design culture, whether actually you work remotely or not, but when you work remotely, that's uh, such a huge additional challenge to it. Um, and uh, from, from my perspective, I always work in the teams where we actually, the design was very small. Uh, so, but I'm also a huge believer in um, making sure that the whole company is actually involved in design and building it like all around the different departments. So that in the, the remote perspective, then it's even harder because those people already, you know, struggle with their own internal things remotely because of the whole changes. And now all of a sudden you're also adding the whole design thing to, to them, which may be, you know, before, depending on when you joined the company or who was there before, wasn't even built uh, when you joined. So it's it's hard. Um, what, uh, what we do is um, I try to make sure that we still follow the same processes we did before. Uh, so we still have the same structures and we still run basically the same meetings in terms of the design. Uh, the brainstorm sessions, line sprints, whatever you, you want to use, uh, um, but just utilizing the, the tools that are currently available. And luckily for us, uh, every company seems to be creating a new tool for that recently because of the remote work, uh, which is great. Uh, so I think we can still you know, make sure that everyone is involved in those whiteboard sessions and those design sprints and those brainstorming sessions. Um, and like I said, personally, I want to involve the whole team. So I always push uh, for other managers so that we can have at least some people from every uh, department in the company involved to, to kind of spread this knowledge and spread this feeling of design throughout the, throughout the whole company doing it still with when it's remote uh, with like I said help of uh, online stickies online whiteboards all of that um, and what we what we also do is we make sure that we have actually now extra meetings for design purpose only so different demo sessions and additional um, kind of we call it like quick brainstorming. We would have a short meeting between between people to kind of have the possibility to discuss it, you know, with voice and not only words and on Slack channels um, to, to get this going because we would do it normally when we're on the office anyway. I think that often what, what happens for us is we get some really nice solutions in a big session. But then, you know, when we are kind of just talking about something in the office, we will find like those little nuggets of like, oh, actually, this is like a nice detail that we can add or not. And this is often missing when you're working remotely because you just don't have the same communication. So by trying to get those, you know, extra smaller voice meetings, we kind of try to get to the similar point. It's not the same. I, like I said, we still struggle with it a lot. And I'm also really curious to see what others have to say about this issue. Um, it helps us at least a little bit uh, to do this. Go on then, Magnus. I'm going to come over to you and uh, pick up on what Jan just said there. Sure. Um, first of all, I'm usually embarrassed when I saw this out question, I'm like, design culture, what is that? I need to see what that is. And I've been working with this for 30 years. But I, I kind of guess it. I, I always say that manage designers like herding cats. I mean, they're all over the place, right? You, you can't really ask them to go in one direction because it's their direction. The individual direction, that's counting, nothing else, right? Um, I think if you if you try to grow a design culture within a cult within a company that is not focused on design or doesn't have a design DNA, if you will, um, I think the best thing you can do is to allow the individuals to run freely. 
to give them the time to thoroughly explore and thoroughly expand their thinking and you know and you know can just kind of immerse themselves in the design work i think that is such a powerful way for people to get stronger as a designer which in essence it is i mean it's people building culture right if we have designers that are allowed to do their work you slowly but surely start to grow a culture where people are the individuals grow and by doing that you grow the culture itself if you work in a design company which i also have done i mean the sign is in the walls i mean you go you open the door it's design bonanza right i mean it's like you know you love it it's like this everything is designed um but if you don't have that i think you need to establish it by enforcing and empowering the individual to be strong designers and allowing them to run freely to establish that culture i think with the all the post-its and the, the workshopping and all the sketching and all the funny clothes and what have you right but the, it's all about the individuals i think that's the core part of this Brilliant. And uh, Zara, we'll just come back to you then. So what are your thoughts on um, like creating a, a strong design culture whilst remote? Yeah. Um, so I think from my perspective, so I still have some designers now that I haven't met in person. I worked with them for a few months and the way I've gone about it is that I'm sharing stuff about what interests me besides work. So, for example, what am I doing in my free time or how have I spent my weekend or we just, you know, we have our dailies and we talk about, uh, yeah, ask uh, just questions that people are comfortable with sharing and I share and if the others want to share, it's fine. They're free to do that or not. And so it's not something mandatory, but just, you know, opening up and creating an atmosphere of sharing and talking about stuff, what's going on generally in life. I think that creates a, a, a understanding of the other person's life situation and also would create a, a stronger, you know, just to give, give, give an idea of, of who these people are besides the person you see on screen, right? And I think that's 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 the part uh, that's like a basic need we have humans to be seen and understood and feel that we are part of something. So as long as we can um, connect in those aspects, then I believe that there is a good opportunity to create a culture as well that fits and empowers a team. Yeah, and I think um, that sort of comes off a little bit what Jan said before. I think there's an element of inclusion in this because obviously if someone working remotely may often feel like they're not involved because maybe the core decisions are being made by people sat over a desk or in an office or something like that and they're not included. I know from my experience speaking to candidates sometimes that's what they've they have felt like uh, working in teams. So it's interesting that Zero said it there and Jan you picked up on it that um, when you're making decisions, you mentioned it's always really important to set up a meeting and make sure everyone's included, even if they are working remotely, because it's so much easier just to speak over the desk. But going, you have to do a little bit more work to include everyone. But then that brings it back to your point, Arvid, that culture that you're creating of inclusion, that's obviously going to make them work so much better if they know that they're then part of the team. Um, so, Arvid, let's come back to you and just get a sense of, you know, what you've taken from that. Yes, I, I guess meetings and are important and, and the inclusion part, yes, and, and in the right sense. I, I really like what uh, Magnus said about, uh, you know, the opportunity to expo explore freely and, and sort of have that time. I, I've been advising some uh, uh, like an in-house designer at a company that does not have uh, a, um, a design culture and doesn't have many designers either. And, and my advice was like, to block time, to block off like half a day, full day just to work and not be in this manager's uh, schedule of uh, meetings everywhere. That is only one hour because you don't have much time to actually do the work that you were set out to do, which was not to sit in meetings, even though, of course, in to, to share and to to have these uh, like to, to build a culture, you need, you need to meet and, and communicate with each other, of course, but just, you know, can be half a day. It for for some, I think it feels almost illegal to do that, but I think you're allowed to. Yeah, but great points. I really, I have to say. 
Yeah, that's brilliant. Um, thank you very much to everyone in there. I think that was a really good topic as well. So uh, thank you. Let's go to our last question from Ziara then. Um, yeah, take it away, Ziara. Uh, yes, so the question I had was now that at least in Sweden we have uh, the restrictions are uplifted and a lot of company, especially my company, is also returning back to the office on Monday and there's a hybrid version going on. So basically 40, 60, 50, 50 something. And I'm curious about what others are doing and how they're thinking about uh, working with people who are on other location and people who actually return to the office. Great, so let's go um, to Magnus on this one then. Uh, yeah, no, I, I think it's a, a great uh, question. So you're right, and I, I think it's something that we also coming, but now we're like, oh, okay, so now we're gonna do it. Um, I think it's gonna be great to go back. I mean, I've always, I've been working remote for the last 10 years or so, and then I joined De Laval, and they're like, yeah, finally, I get to get with some colleagues, got an office I can go to, yeah, it's like, no, I can't, the pandemic hit us. However, I realized that I think the balance between on-prem, on if you will, or at the office and home, I think the balance is, is quite important to me because I realized that I get so much more done when working from home for some reason. There, I mean, I have no idea why, but when you're at the office, for instance, and, and I've been to the office a couple of times, but just you, you get in a slightly different mode of, of, of working. Um, so what we're gonna do, we're gonna do step-by-step -step facing, uh, but what I told my team is, listen, yes, there will be days that we're required to be at the office because we need to meet with people with project meetings and stuff like that. and for social aspects, yes, we will meet at the office. However, I will not require you guys to be five days at the office because I don't want to be there. I want to be working at the office when I need to be at the office, and I want to work at home when I need to work at home. Because again, I think the balance between the efficiency and effectiveness of actually getting, you know, immerse yourself in a problem and actually get stuff done is so much more valuable in some cases than hanging out the coffee machine, right? And again, to your point, Arvid, I think if, you know, the challenge we have right now is that for every attempt to include people, we set up a new meeting, which in essence means that we're chopping up every individual day in one hour slots, which means there's very little time for people to do work. So I think, again, with the same thing with going back to the office, I think we need to be very careful on where we're going to be at the office and why. And then when you're off, at the, you know, working from home, for instance, you need to get time to really do the work. Otherwise, it would be just meetings after meetings of meetings, and you will have no freedom to explore or immerse yourself in design problems. So I think um, it's a new type of challenge that we're facing now. The pandemic showed one type of new challenge. Now we've got a new challenge where people we're going to need to balance the, the at the office, at home work situation. It's going to be interesting. I'm looking forward to the next podcast in a year's time to evaluate how that's gone. But it's a great question. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, Jan, let's come to you on that. Yeah, uh, so yeah, it's a, it's a very important question. And uh, I think, you know, what is, I've been really interested in working remotely even before the whole pandemic thing. I was always very interested in digital nomading and uh, I was working remotely from time to time even before uh, it was mandatory. And I love that, you know, one thing, good thing that came out of this terrible situation is that we have this freedom now. And this freedom is available now to basically almost everyone at every company, which I think is great because before it was sometimes a struggle to to make sure that you can actually work from home or, or remotely, at least a little bit. Um, so how it's going to work now? I think you know it definitely depends on on companies a lot. And uh, I had the I had the pleasure of working at two different companies. Well, now one and before another one during this whole pandemic thing. Uh, so I can see the differences that were there. And in my current company, for example, there is an incredible freedom when it comes to working remotely. We don't have any hybrid, like it has to be 50-50 or anything like that. It's basically that the person can say that they want to work remotely on day X, on a week X, and they just do it. Um, as long as, uh, you know, we just have to make sure that people know in advance a little bit and we don't have maybe anything big plan maybe there is a big brainstorming session and everyone else is working from the office and maybe you know we, we try to get this person also to the office but if not that's not a problem at all 
but in the previous company that I worked for during the pandemic, at least, uh, we actually did a survey for, for all of our employees and where they could tell us what they think about working remotely and hybrid. Um, and uh, basically, majority of people said that they would like to work remotely at least two days in a week. Uh, and we were trying to do exactly what you said, Magnus, because we had similar findings that people get more work done when they're working from home, but they, they miss maybe a little bit of those social bonds and also maybe some meetings are harder. Um, so then we were actually trying to make it that, okay, you've got those two days working from home and, you know, focus fully on work. We basically don't do any meetings then. And then you have those uh, maybe three days or something when you are at work. And then we kind of catch up on all the meetings, maybe some brainstorming sessions, etc. to kind of get the best out of both worlds. So I think it's a great point, Magnus, and uh, we could definitely see it the same in the, in the companies I work for. Brilliant. Thank you, Jan. And Arvid, let's hear your opinion on this. Uh, yes, I, as uh, being a sort of consultant, I, I'm very much dependent, of course, on all the clients I work with and how how they see things. And and things are different in in different organizations, of course. Uh, but that also means that I've already been working a bit remote before this situation, also, and and moving between uh, uh, different organizations and and communicating all the time. Uh, I, I think one of the concrete problems of a remote of a hybrid environment is that the meeting technology for hybrid work is uh, really bad. This what we're doing right now has an incredible quality actually and and works really well and it's also equal. But the the alternative of being some people in the same spot is actually terrible most of the times and and it it really affects my work when trying to build relationships and trying to communicate. Um, so th that should have to be improved, I guess. Um, apart from that, I, I agree to what the others are saying. Uh, we have shifted from uh, from a culture of control to more of trust, and things didn't fall apart totally. So that was good. Uh, and I hope that I'm I'm counting on it staying like that. That we can trust people to find the best solutions for their teams, uh, like individually. It's actually quite funny that you mentioned that about the. Um... <clears throat> the system of being like how you communicate on a hybrid system because where we work in our office if so one person's having to work from home that day or working remotely we'll all be on teams meeting like this with that one person away but I might be like speaking to my colleague who's to my right through the laptop and the headphones and it's really weird I'd never like seen that sort of environment before before I came into this role and it's like they sat right next to me but i'm talking to you through there and so it's just funny that you mentioned that um and i think that's something that obviously the pandemic's caused and it's probably going to stick around for quite some time so it's quite interesting of how technology is well actually going to adapt to that maybe there's something new systems that's going to be brought out to help deal with that so that is an interesting point um zero let's come back to you as a final thought um just to feedback on what you've heard uh, yeah, sure. Um, a couple of things. So one of the things that I discussed, uh, I mean, I, sorry, observed myself this week, I was two days in the office. <laughs> and uh, there was exactly that, what, um, was it Orange who spoke latest now? Um, that we had meetings. I mean, we were literally speaking in meetings with our headphones in front of the screens sitting uh, we're next to each other. And that was so strange because the issue most office spaces will have, and that is a pure logistic question, will be we will not have enough meeting rooms. And then we will there will be a huge sound pollution because offices, most most companies or the office culture today is open open offices, right? <laughs> but you're still sitting, you know, literally one meter away from your colleague with your headphone kind of being unsocial and, and still weirdly you're maybe in the same meeting or maybe you're having the sound pollution from someone behind you in a completely different setting. So I think this will also raise some big challenges regarding the office space when people are there in literally 50 people are there in different meetings how do you solve that because we don't have 50 meeting rooms that's one thought and the other thought i had i just read an article i don't know if anyone uh, if any one of you have seen there was this article on um, some big american company saying that they measured during covid now that uh, well of course we have a lot of reports saying productivity have increased that people as magnus mentioned are working better um, feeling more effective, but that that 
that uh, uh, survey showed that or that company analyzed their work and uh, innovation has gone down. So basically for innovative stuff, we literally need to meet each other and have this kind of uh, more discussions or ways of collaboration, which has been difficult in an online environment, which is really interesting because then I told my colleagues just the other day that hmm, maybe the offices will just be playground. When we come to the office in the future, we're literally there just for innovation and uh, playgrounding and testing our ideas. And then we go off in our cells at homes and work more effectively and productively on the stuff that needs to get done. So I'm curious about the last thoughts here. Yeah, no, that is, that is an interesting thought. And Magnus, I'll come back to you on that. Yeah, no, I think it's a great, great thought, Sarah. I mean, you know, it's, it's basically we'll have the the, the offices as a, uh, you know, a, a oxygen provider, right, to, to refresh our minds a little bit and get new ideas, which, and then you go back home and you get stuff done. I, I love that. Um, I Actually, I, the reason why I unmuted myself was, you know, you mentioned the irony of sitting in a room with everyone having the <laughs> meeting and you're talking to the screen. Yeah. Did you ever have this thing back in the days where you were sitting working and you saw you got an email, like inbox ping from Andy, like, and then Andy actually walked up and said, hey, man, I sent you an email. Do you get it? Like, yeah, I'm, I'm reading it here. <laughs> so I think the techno the hybrid kind of human technology thing will always be with us. I think we just have to live. That's going to be something that we're going to carry with us. But I love the idea of using days at the office as a, a refresher or refueling and then getting stuff done uh, in your own space, with your, in your own rhythm, in your own kind of setting. I think that's going to be the way forward, I think. Yeah, and it, it is a really interesting topic, and um, that is our last question. So it'll be very interesting to see how Magnus said like uh, earlier, how the next year will go, and we'll have to book in another podcast in a year's time to uh, discuss it. So I'll put it all in your calendars, and then we'll get back to it in a year's time. Um, but that'll be really interesting to see how the next couple of months go with this hybrid style of working. Um, but no, that's thank you, big thank you to all of you for all of your questions, um, for being so engaging, and hopefully you've got something out of it, and you guys listening have got something out of it as well. Um, it's really enjoyed doing these, and you do get a lot of benefit from them. Um, so that's everything for today. Um, this has been the Evolution Exchange podcast. Uh, I'd like to thank our four guests for taking part. And if you want to get involved on one of the upcoming podcasts to talk about everything UX and UI, um, please feel free to reach out um, to me on LinkedIn. Thank you and see you next time.